Welcome to the Young Christian Podcast. My name is Mackenzie Dorsonville. I'm a musician, photographer, growing apologist, growing evangelist, and lifelong student. Here's where I plan to be real, where I talk about Jesus, philosophy, mental health, relationships, race, culture, and honestly, whatever. If I were to ask you, what is the gospel? How would you even respond? Would there even be a response? I knew for me, I grew up in a church my entire life, but if someone were to ask me that um, within the last year or so, the question would have probably gave me some trouble. At least I wouldn't have been able to answer it in its entirety. Today we're going to talk about something that could seem so simple, but is so mistaken or so misconstrued. Um, and that's the, just the gospel, the story of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. The biblical foundation, literally the backbone of where our faith derives. I think that the power of the gospel is so huge, sometimes undermined when this is literally what's saving souls daily. Like I always say, I'm a lifelong student, so this isn't to replace anyone's church. I'm no one's pastor. I'm just trying to be that brother in Christ to give you some tools and things um, that I've learned on my walk. My hope and prayer is that this doesn't discourage you to join a local church, but encourages you to join a local church. I think... There's a lot of good, godly Christians who can't articulate the good news, and that could be a negative for a couple of reasons. It could affect salvation, um, just because if you're not giving an accurate gospel, what are people believing in for salvation? Also, I think it could impact our own lives, because gospel the gospel doesn't just save us, but it keeps us. There's elements of the gospel, and all of it really, that... As you come to Christ and continue in Christ, you have to believe the thing that you believed at first to continue to walk with Jesus. So that's why it's important. The gospel message is, is a very simple message and a complex message at the same time. The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ, but what is the gospel? Some say that you have to have bad news for there to be good news, but in reality it started off with good news. And that's that a good God created man in his own image for his glory. The good news is that we are created by a holy and righteous God, and he creates us for his glory to glorify him. And when he created us in the garden, the first man and the first woman, we fell from perfection. We fell from his grace by sinning against God in the garden, and that caused God and his righteousness and his judgment to curse the world and bring judgment on all those after Adam and Eve. But the great thing about that is that God and his righteousness and his judgment didn't curse the world without first promising to do something great that was to save. And Jesus is the one who sent into the world to dwell amongst his own creation. Being the second person of the Trinity, God in the flesh, came into the world to live a life that we couldn't live, that was holy, acceptable, righteous before the sight of his father. And at the end of his earthly min and at the end of his earthly ministry he died a death that we couldn't die. Uh, a death that pleased God by taking upon our sins on the cross and dying in our place. But the good news don't stop there. Because this would mean nothing if Jesus didn't rise from the grave three days later, proving that he was God in the flesh, proving that he was God all along with all power at his right hand. And the good news still continues after this because Jesus promised to send someone else, the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's job is to indwell in the heart of the believer, empowering them to 
obey God, and to live a righteous life. So in the whole wrap-up, that's the gospel message. The framework of it all starts with God, creation, fall, and redemption. I think, I think we got to start the gospel with God. One common thing that I see sometimes is that people will start with sin more often than starting with God. It's a problem because the Bible doesn't even start there. The Bible starts with God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't start with a problem, but it starts with a person. It starts off as God being the creator. That's important because it shows that God is the standard for everything. The creator has to be the standard. No creation could look at his creator and say, things shouldn't go this way. It's like, well, we're not the creator. I think that's a common thing in our generation where people might have a problem with God because of the things he's done or things that he chose to do throughout human history. But if he's the creator, he is the standard. In order for us to accept the gospel and embrace the gospel, we have to acknowledge that our creator has a standard. The term righteousness is to live according to a standard. But whose standard? Culture standard? Society standard? The standard is God himself. And so we are righteous in so far as we are conforming to, to who God is. And that's important because when we start talk, when you start to talk about sin, we when we talk about sanctification, none of that makes sense apart from the fact that God is the creator and that God is righteous. So I think beginning any gospel conversation, starting off with the person of God, gives you a really solid foundation from which to speak from. I think of when... I think of when we think about the gospel, we have to think about how the gospel starts with God. The gospel is a story of God. It is a story of the glory of God and it includes us, but it's not about us. And so because the gospel is about God, we have to understand that our feelings and everything that we think has to be under submission of who God is. Um, and this quote from John Piper um, says this, my, feeling are, my feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. My feelings are echoes and responses of what my mind perceives. And sometimes, many times, my feelings are not in sync with the truth. When that happens, it happens every day in some measure. I try not to bend the truth to justify my imperfect feelings, but rather um, plead with God. Purify my perceptions to your truth and transform my feelings so that they are in sync with the truth. Now, I know that was a lot. That was probably a mouthful. But I think what John Piper is saying is that God's word is true. God is the standard. And a lot of the times when we see the gospel preached in wrong ways, we often interpret what we feel and incorporate what we feel in God's word. And it reshapes the gospel message. Um, essentially, it doesn't make the gospel message the gospel message. If God is the standard, we have to submit ourselves to that standard. We have to recognize him as the creator, and we have to allow our minds to be shaped by the Bible, not allowing our minds to shape what the word of God says. Another thing of um, another thing by starting the conversation, the gospel conversation with God, is that it makes God the incentive of repentance. And what I mean by that is essentially growing up, many of you probably can, can relate to me on this, but um, the incentive for me was to not go to hell. It was like, um, I don't want God to rain down on me. I don't want God to judge me. 
Um, and we got to ask ourselves, are those good or healthy perspectives to have? Like, okay, sure. But I received more communication about my sin and, and the wrath um, the wrath it deserve, deserved than about the worthiness of Christ, the worthiness of God. Like, okay, I can avoid sin. I could avoid all these things, but what do I receive? What am I exchanging my sin with? And what you get is the relationship with the Lord. God is the incentive. Imagine in your gospel conversations, you begin with the goodness and the holiness of the righteousness, of the righteous and the beauty of God, really in a worshipful way, um, more than in um, a condemnation way. Also, establishing the righteousness of God actually helps the person understand what sin is. Because sin is not sin if God doesn't exist. And so we have to talk about God before we get into sin so we can actually understand why sin is so bad. It's so bad because God is holy. And then it goes right back to him being the standard. Without lifting God high and showing the world that he is the standard, there would be no reason for people to even recognize their sin if they don't have someone perfect and good to judge their sin with. So exalting God first and it's not just gonna gonna it's not just going to someone and saying, You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, but it's like, no, God is good, God is good, God is good. And it's like now someone has a measure or a standard to measure themselves with, which is a holy and a righteous God, if if that all kind of makes sense. The Bible, again, starts off with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And again, we haven't even hit sin yet because the Bible doesn't yet. It starts with God and it starts with creation. Genesis one twenty seven, which says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Sin wasn't always here. And at some point, it was really good. I think this is also important for people to know because, um, because it started... By seeing how it started good, you could see and understand what God originally intended. He intended for people to people to image him in his righteousness, in his holiness. Um, and that's why he made people good. He can't make bad people. People make themselves bad. God does not. So God created these people and gave them a law. In Genesis 2, 17, it says... Um, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you will surely die. They had one. They had one command. Just one. Wow. To, to, wow. They had one command not to eat the fruit. Now even to think about it. The first command was to eat of every tree in the garden besides this one. So if we're talking prosperity... They had it all. They had free reign over the entire garden to do whatever they wanted besides this one thing. Which sometimes, I think that's how petty sometimes sins make people. Sin can make people. God gives you all the freedom to enjoy liberally, but then you feel some type of way when that one thing is off limits. Same problem we deal with today. That God has given us so much liberty and freedom, given us so many things, literally gave us everything. But the things that will kill us is the most attractive things to us. We still have the same issue that Eve had. So God gives them a law and he gave them a law because he's righteous. Now, you got to think.
as king of creation, as creator, God has the right to tell us what to do. He just does. He has authority over everything he has made. And that's not to say that's even a bad thing. The only reason why we think it could be a bad thing is because of sin. I think in a state of absolute purity and seeing reality as it is, being able to trust God as the holy being that he is, his commands aren't troublesome or burdensome. They're actually really good. They're a really good thing in a way to be safe and have boundaries. And so God creates. God is holy. He makes these people, makes them good, gives them a law to obey. And everything would have been so nice if only you could imagine. But then we have the fall. In Genesis 3 is where we see sin come in. The fall, the fall jacked us up for real. Up until this point, when they ate the fruit and sent into the world, we have to understand that this very moment affected everything. That affected how we see God. The Bible says that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers, preventing them from seeing, seeing the glory of God. That affected how we see each other. That affected how Adam and Eve saw each other. Immediately, they realized that they were naked and ashamed. Sin might look different amongst all of us, but we're affected by it in the same. So in talking to people, I can help someone understand sin by not attacking them off the bat about their sin, but showing them like, no, this world, this whole world is affected by sin. You might be turned off by God, by other people's sin, things you might have seen and having a firm foundation of what the fall did to the world can help people overall understand sin in a more complete way. And in reflection, I'm able to have mercy on those who sin because I myself struggle with sin. Original sin in the fall helps you understand why people do not, or they understand, they help you understand why people do what they do, which can either make you mad pessimistic and negative or hopeful because you remember I was born in sin too. I was a mess too, but look what God did for me. I could trust that God could do the same for them too. So in an odd way, if we look at original sin, um, it could actually help you relate to people and then preach the gospel to the same people you relate to. Now, because God is righteous, because he is holy, he is obligated to judge sin. We're in a world that does not want God to be a judge. They want God to be loving, all forgiving, which is great. Those are things we all need, but that's just not um, all who he is. Um, if we look at Exodus 34, 6 through 8, it says, um, The Lord, the Lord, a God that is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, um, but who will by no means, this is the part right here, clear the guilty. So yes, he is merciful. Yes, he is gracious. Yes, he is slow to anger. Yes, he is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Yes, he is keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will not clear the guilty. But who's guilty? 
everybody, <laughs> all of us, um, just think if God clears the guilty, that shows a lot about himself. For people that might say, if God is good, why would he send those to hell? But for real, it's like, how can he be good if he doesn't? If God is a good God, he has to judge all evil. We we wouldn't say to any judge who lets a child molest a rapist or murder off the hook. Now, this part of the gospel trips people up because they don't understand that judgment the judgment part is part of the good news. It would be bad news if we stayed there. If we stayed in the fact that, hey, all those who were born into sin are under the wrath of God, and that was it. But that's not where we land. That's not where we stay. But that doesn't mean we skip over that aspect of the gospel because people have to hear the bad news for the good news to make sense. There's good news because something bad was happening. But... This is the beginning of the good news in Romans, which says, um, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So God exists. He's holy. He's righteous. He created people in his own image to be good to uphold him to glorify him to image him these people sin against him and because of this sin everyone born after adam is born with the same disposition or hard-heartedness the same lovelessness toward god and so by virtue of the virtue of god's righteousness he is now obligated to judge sinners so at this point that puts everyone in a predicament because we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Don't matter who you are, who you were, who you are, how you grew up, all people have fallen short. Everyone has fallen short. But Christ was sent into the world so we would not have to absorb the judgment of God. But how? What does that even mean? Um, because we can't talk about the cross um i mean we talk about the cross but i don't know if we really understand what that actually what actually happened the cross wasn't just hard and dramatic and dangerous and jesus wasn't over here um wanting the cup to just pass from him because he didn't want to be hung on the um wanted to be hung but the cup was representative of the old testament parables about wrath he didn't want God's wrath to fall on him. So we can't talk about the cross without talking about the fact that Jesus was judged on the cross for our sin. And that's what it means when Jesus absorbed the wrath of God. He took on the punishment that we rightfully deserve, keeping it away from us. The beautiful thing about the cross is that in one place you see God's justice and God's perfect love displayed at the same time so beautifully. And what I mean is that you see God's justice and his wrath being vindicated because all of sin is being paid for. But you see his love, his perfect love, because he put those sins upon his son because he didn't want us. He didn't want to destroy us. And so that's the beautiful thing about the cross. 
that's the iconic thing about that about the cross um it's so iconic and it's so crazy you know we see the cross everywhere we go we see cross on chains we see cross on clothes pretty much everywhere it's not some cruel or unnecessary thing no the cross was necessary because in order for god to be good and in order for him to be righteous and a holy judge sin had to be paid for and so justice and love is both displayed there on the cross so beautifully with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To add to the beauty of the cross is that Jesus who knew no sin became sin so that we may become the righteousness of God. And so for us to be forgiven, for our guilt to be cleared, for us to be reconciled to the fire, Father, somebody had to pay the penalty Somebody had to become guilty and somebody had to absorb God's wrath. And the good news is that it's not us. The good news is that we didn't have to go to hell to deal with the consequences of our sin. The good news is that Christ was sent in our place to bear the wrath of God so we would not have to. So talking about the judgment of God is only negative if you didn't get the whole story right. If you get the whole story right, it's the best news in the world. And that's why it's called good news. Um, to finish the verse where it was at in Romans 3. Um, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Basically saying that God had to judge our sins in Christ so that when he forgives us, he's not compromising his righteousness in doing so. God will remain true to himself and true to who he is. He wouldn't compromise anything about who he is. He's still a loving God because even because of the sin of man, he didn't have to send Jesus. He made a way not to destroy us, but at the same time, not comp compromising his own character. And... Redemption completes the gospel. Redemption is possible because even though Jesus absorbed the wrath of God, taking on the penalty of our sins that we rightfully deserved and dying, he didn't stay dead. An element of the gospel that we could never miss is the resurrection. It's that Jesus died, but he rose. His resurrection is the proof that God accepted his sacrifice, but it also means that Jesus is the only one who defeated sin and death forever. This is the hope that everyone in the world needs because they not only need to know that their penalties were paid for, but there's also power made possible to walk in the holiness that God has prescribed for them to have. Redemption is just a fancy way to talk about salvation. Another word for salvation is actually deliverance. It's that God has taken me out of a place of danger and delivered me, saved me, and placed me in a position of safety. Now a question is, what are we being saved from? We're not only being saved from God's wrath, but we're also being saved from our own selves and our own sin. To say that someone is saved is to say that they're no longer under God's wrath, but they're now brought into peace. They have peace with God through Christ Jesus, but this comes through faith. And um, Ephesians um, 2, 8 
through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not on your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But question, why is it important that salvation comes through faith? This is extremely important because you, you could fall into the danger of believing a different gospel. What every other gospel does is that it teaches us that if we do, 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 we'll receive, receive, receive. Do this, you'll receive God. Do this, you'll receive God. Other religions teach it. Low-key, Christian teachers teach it. Prosperity gospels teach it. No, the gospel is that we have been granted the gift of faith, and it's God's work. Jesus finished work on the cross that saves us. So if we put our hope in that, that's what save us, saves us. False religions will tell us we have to do something to earn God's favor. No, the Bible tells us that, no, God did something so that we can be in right relationship with him. There's a huge difference. The finished work of the cross is what saves us. Our faith in what Jesus did is what saves the believer. Our work can never justify us in the eyes of God. But what are works in this context? Works are let me do this and God can favor, can have favor with me. For example, the Muslims feel like they're in sin if they don't pray towards the east five times a day. The Jehovah Witness has a quote of how many doors or how many people they have to evangelize every year in order to obtain favor with the Lord. They believe that the most faithful Jehovah Witnesses will be part of the 144,000 that will be in heaven with God. The Mormons believe that they have to complete a three-year missionary journey in order to be in right standing with God. All these religions say, let me do something in order to receive God's favor. Let me work in order to receive God. Let me work for God to embrace me. And the gospel is the only thing that says that God who's finished the work has come to embrace me. And so God has come to do the work so we won't have to do the work and put our hope in the one who's already finished the work. And it's not only the false religion, religions who fall susceptible to the belief that they're saved by works because Christians do it all the time. Sometimes we say, let me read my Bible for 30 minutes a day. That will make God happy with me. Let me tithe all the time. Let me let me dress modestly. Let me not curse. Let me not listen to secular music. Let me not give the gospel all the time. We take spiritual disciplines and turn them into a means of salvation when that's not what they were ever made to do. Spiritual disciplines help us love Jesus, helps us grow in faith towards Jesus, but they will not get us into heaven. Only our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will get us into heaven that we are so desiring. Now, on the other hand, some might ask, does God not want our works? What is our works for? What I'm saying is that God is not pleased with our works. He's pleased with them in the fact that they come out of faith because everything not done from faith is sin, so even our good works are trash <laughs> if it's not from faith. To think that our works put us in right standing with God is basically telling God that your son coming into the world doing the work wasn't good enough. For us to think that our works could add to what Jesus did is just wild, <laughs> completely wild. And so 
our works are pleasing to the Lord when they are fruit that we can be given through Jesus Christ. So to summarize, works is not how you gain salvation, but works are the proof that you were saved. We hear the verse, faith without works is dead in James. It's so true. Some might think if we don't work, won't our faith die? And it's like, nah, it's saying if you don't have evidence of good works, your faith was never alive to begin with. There's no proof that you were ever made alive in Jesus. But when we see a person with good works, it's not to be done to be in right relationship. It's God has already made him right, made him in right relationship with God. I wake up and I love my mother because I just love my mother. I don't wake up and say, I'm going to show love to my mother to show her I love her. But instead, it's a natural reaction. And my works and good deeds are a natural reaction of salvation that I've been granted. It's so easy to fall into the trap into thinking we're doing God a favor by doing all these things. But we have to be reminded that God is really holy. His standard is really, really high. And so there's nothing you could do to be as perfect as he is. And that's the beauty of receiving Christ's righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that we may be, we might be the righteousness of Christ. So our union with Christ actually puts us in the right standing with God. So that doesn't mean you shouldn't grow in great works. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be sanctified. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't work towards holiness, but it does mean that if you read the Bible for 30 minutes a day or five minutes a day, God loves you the same. If you tithe $10 or $15, God loves you the same. Like God's love and acceptance of you is not contingent on what you have done. It's contingent on what Christ did on your behalf and your faith because of it. So with that, again, Ephesians 2, nine, uh, 2 8 through 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Meaning, you're not going to get to heaven and say, I'm the one who got me here. But it was nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ, I made it in this place. Another point that has to be articulated is faith. Like, what exactly is faith? Is faith a feeling? What does it mean to have faith in God? To be real with y'all, I didn't know I had faith. I didn't understand that language, but I know that what happened in my room last year during the pandemic in 2020, through the work of the Holy Spirit, my eyes were open to the reality of who God was, and I believed, meaning I made a decision to trust myself with God. So what is faith? Faith is like, you, you know what, God, you're telling the truth about yourself. You're telling the truth about salvation. You're telling the truth about the world. I'm making a decision to believe you. And by believing you, my life changes. And so when God says move, I go. When God says jump, I say how high. And faith is not just some blind belief. When the Bible says faith is a substance of things, hopefully, and evidence of things not seen. God is not just telling us to merely have faith in something we cannot see. God came and physically revealed himself. And not only that, he also gives us evidence every single day. Like if you want to serve the Lord and you want to give your life to Jesus, 
know that he's not just going to leave you without any evidence. He's going to he's not just going to leave you in general. God is going to send people in your life that will confirm that no I am with you. And so faith is not blind in that sense. God is going to give you evidence to confirm that faith. So to sum up everything in the beginning God made people makes them good with the intention of for them to uh, to image him people sin against God sin enters into the world and now we are all born in sin and shaped in iniquity because of this God is righteous and is so holy he's obligated to judge sin but because of this his great love and his great mercy he sends his son who is God in the flesh to live the life we can never live he was righteous he was holy he was pure the entire time this Jesus goes into onto the cross and becomes sin that we ourselves have always walked in on the cross Jesus absorbs the wrath of God absorbs the judgment of God goes to the grave and does not stay there in the grave he defeats sin and death and now he calls all people to repent meaning turn away from their past sins um, turn away from their sins and to believe in his name by believing in his name they will receive eternal life and will be forgiven of all their sins and that's the gospel something so important and the best piece of news that anyone could receive which is the gospel Listening to any other podcast, listening to anything else, but you're right here with us. Thank you for choosing the Young and Christian Podcast. See y'all soon. Peace.